For 25 years, Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints for the season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Pierre Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great. Nation will come out of us. The Lord has blessed us and nobody can revoke it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Faith Tabernacle spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. And you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very smart in every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee. Leadership training daily. Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7 p.m. And the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4 p.m. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE 18, 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332. We are going now because all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to Jesus Christ. The one who sent us is the all authority. So therefore in our going now we fear nothing. We do not respect anybody who claims to have power, any power whatsoever, as to challenge our audacity to preach the gospel or to minister the word of God. But then also we came into looking at a specific calling, recognizing that among the church, God will appoint five ministries now and there we looked at Ephesians 4 now I want to take you through a, a, a preamble I would say of calling our intention in this is to make sure that we fulfill our calling on earth okay we are not doing somebody else's duty and wind away our life and time struggling not successful then die they meet the Lord, and the Lord said, I didn't send you that. Now, if we go back to the Ephesians, this is the area where the, that some call the fivefold ministry. Okay, because there are five classifications. Ephesians chapter 4. It was in the verse 7 that it reads, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportions it. Then he went further in verse 11 to talk about, you know, uh, some were given to be apostles, prophets, teachers, and, and uh, evangelists. Now, what is the purpose of your call? That is the ministry calling. Why should Jesus not just call everybody into one thing? What does he want to achieve by calling? If anybody feels sleepy, stand up and walk and stand at the door. If you feel sleepy, I will tell them, wake you up. Wake that brother up, please. Wake him up. Brother son, are you sleeping? Okay. 
Your eyes were closed. No, 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 no. Your eyes were closed. Okay. Nobody should. No, I'm not embarrassing you. I'm instructing you. Nobody should sleep. Please. Can I say this? If you feel sleepy, it is not a problem. But if you feel sleepy, I'm saying this to everybody. If you feel sleepy, just stand up and stand. If you do feel sleepy. Okay? And I want every one of you to watch one another. Yes, if anybody is sleeping beside you, just goggle them and tell them to please stand. Okay? And that covers it. All right, let's keep going. What is the aim of ministry gifts? If we look at it, it says, to prepare God's people for what? Work of service. So it means that an evangelist, if let's say that a pastor start a church, or a pastor is posted to pastor a church, the Bible says here clearly then, the ministry of pastoring in that church we give back to men who will walk through serving. Are we in agreement on this then? To prepare men for work or service. So now listen to me therefore. If you are a shepherd, which is a pastor, which means that the grace God has given you as a shepherd is to equip the saints so that the saints will manifest in their gifting. Because to serve, you must have a gift. Isn't it? Let's look at the book of First Corinthians chapter... First Corinthians chapter 11... Now we hold this, no, chapter 12, sorry. We hold this in our mind. If you look at chapter 12, it says, About the spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant, isn't it? For you know, rather, that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you, that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus because, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now let us be mindful of verse 4. Verse 4 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Now we see Father, Son, and the Spirit here. Then he went further to say, There are different kinds of walking, but the same God, which is the Father, walks all in all of them. Well, verse 5, I, I omitted that. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. So, the first one says gift, verse 4. The second one says service. And the, second, the third one says working. So, the Holy Spirit gives gift. Jesus calls to service. God works through all. Alright, let's, let's get this connected with 
the purpose of our calling. Therefore, if a minister pastors a church for one year and you cannot see the manifestation of the gift, which means you will fail in having people to serve. Because for Jesus to call a man into service, the Holy Spirit must operate the gift in the man because the service needs gifts to operate. And it is a person who has been manifesting a gift that has the ability to serve and is the one that can work in the household of faith. Now, what happened is therefore, if you have a lot of members and only six among them meet this criteria, no wonder the work is overbearing. The work that 100 people should do, only six are doing it. One of the problems in Pentecostal churches is this. Let me tell you this. A lot of people in the church do not work. It has, it's a norm in Pentecostal church that you will find a big church and those who really work, when you call for work, those who turn up, are so insignificant to the percentage of those who come to be fed. The reason is because for anyone to work, he must have the gift to serve. And the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to prepare people for work of service. Let me give you an example. Every profession that is here, if you look at your career, the attainment of that knowledge brings you to a particular service in line with the knowledge which you did not do before. For you to be employed into a work, you must have acquired the knowledge and the ability to use it. So, the church of God, therefore, is not supposed to be a bunch of people who do not have the gifts year in and year out. It should be a bunch of people who came as laymen. Because he began by saying that when we were in the world, we were led astray by mute idols. He said, but now that we are in Christ, <clears throat> he said that we are not supposed to be ignorant. In the sense that, in the house are gifts. The one who gives it is the Holy Spirit. In the house is several services that you can render. But unless the Holy Spirit gives you the gift, you cannot serve, neither can you walk. Having said that, he now said this in Ephesians, that that is the reason why God called pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers, so that they can equip God's people and prepare them for the work of service. Now, if you look at Ephesians, therefore, you talk about the work and the service. You don't talk about the gift. How is the gift made? The man prepares the people and they get it. 
The Bible is always complete. So, your labor over your church, once you get people saved, you know, the first thing is to disciple them. My first is to bring them to become real apprentices so that they are learning from Christ and they are aiming to be like Christ. They are like Christ. They are fully discipled. In line on the progression of their being disciple, Holy Spirit will endow the gifts and your teaching will manifest the gift in them. And when the gift manifests, they serve. The walking is created by the Lord, you know, already. The service is there, called by Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, what? Empowers them. So, Christ sent Jesus. <clears throat> God sent Jesus. Jesus sent me. Holy Ghost empowers me. So, you and I, therefore, as ministers, our ultimate aim is to see our members manifest. Somebody who came in knowing nothing. In about six months, he can tell you about Jesus. In about six months, he can lead prayers. You tell him to read the Bible, he's confident in reading the Bible. At the beginning, his legs will be wobbling when he's coming to the pulpit. But now he doesn't wobble anymore. Now he's able to lead. And these people are people who will just tell you that, I would like to join the ushers. We don't call them. I would like to do this. I would like to do that. And they will be faithful in whatever they decide to commit themselves. Because you have equipped them for the work of service. We will not look into the gift of the Spirit today, but let me give you a clue about the gift of the Spirit. If we look at that same Ephesians, it says, now verse 7, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. We understand that if someone says that, what is the definition of the gift of the Spirit? That is spoken in that verse 7. The gift of the Spirit is the manifestation of the Spirit upon a man. Okay? When the Holy Spirit manifests upon you, what comes out of that manifestation is the gift. Do we get it now? Do we all agree on this? So each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, which is, which is not contrary to the first we read, the Holy Spirit gives the gift, Jesus calls to service, and God works through it, through all. So, having said the manifestation of the gift, is, the, the Spirit is given, He gave us nine manifestations here. Alright? I want to agree with myself that these are not all the gifts of the Spirit. If you think these are all the gifts of the Spirit, you make a mistake. But these are principal among the holistic... Let me just give us an understanding. The Bible talks about God. Okay? But the Bible did not talk about all who God is. The Bible can contain it. When we get to heaven, we begin to learn who God really is. This one we have given, the Bible says it that the knowledge given by the word is given for this earthly region. That man may have a relationship with his God. But God is bigger than what is given to us. We understand it now. It's like you went, you haven't been to Tokyo before. You went to the Tokyo embassy, you read some leaflet about Tokyo. And then you said, I know Tokyo. No, you need to go to Tokyo. <laughs> Even when you get to Tokyo and you're living in Tokyo for 10 years, you discover you haven't really known many places in Tokyo. You can imagine 
the whole of this world. How many of us know this world? You don't know them. Because even the, you know, the, one of the presidents of America, they, they spoke about uh, one part of America. He doesn't know that it exists. He doesn't know that it's America they're talking about. <laughs> the president of America. You don't know. Those of you who are in England now, uh, somebody was just telling us where he lives now. And both of us who are listening say, well, where is that? We have never known where that place is. Around, you, around London alone, there are many towns and villages and all stuff you don't know. I went to Nigeria recently and we were going from Lagos from one village to the other. There are many villages they were, they were meeting on the road. I never had those villages. So now, if that is so on earth, imagine heaven. Heaven is astronomically bigger than the universe. So don't you think that uh, you know everything just by the written word. No. There are many mysteries that are kept for ages that we will catch up with when we get there. So therefore, the last part of this is chapter 14. If you look at the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, I will agree with you that, which means that my job as a pastor is to feed the people and bring them to a place so that the Spirit can manifest upon them. Correct? So the Spirit manifests upon them, then they will be used for they will be useful to the service of the Lord Jesus. But in the area of manifestation of the Spirit, and you get a dose of the gift, chapter 14 tells us how we can increase our gift in those. If you look at it, it says in verse, verse 1 of chapter 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire what? Especially. So we recognize the key to it, therefore. For anyone to excel in spiritual gifts, alright, is your eagerness. Really, I will say this, the King Jesus says, covet. So covetousness is righteousness only when you turn it towards the gift of the Spirit. But can I say this to you all? You will agree with me that in many of our churches, Majority of people do not have covetousness for the Spirit. We have dealt with that in the beginning of this meeting. Many people come to church because of breakthrough. I've told you don't preach breakthrough. It's a wrong teaching. Some come to church because of deliverance. Don't teach deliverance. It's a wrong teaching. Some come to church because of prosperity. Don't preach it. Is a wrong teaching. Some come because of healing. Don't preach it. It's a wrong teaching. What do you preach? Jesus. When you preach Jesus, healing is there, prosperity is there, deliverance is there. Teach about Jesus, what he said. That's what he told us in Matthew, isn't it? Teaching them all I have taught you. Let Jesus be engrafted in the bone marrows and heart of people. You know, all this um, flamboyant, uh, you know, exclamation and, uh, you know, electrical motivation to make people feel sensitized, blow a wind into the microphone. <laughs> Anointing is coming, it's coming, it's coming. coming. <laughs> all those things should stop. <laughs> I call it electrical jingoism. <laughs> It should stop. Do you know what happens to us in most times? People's adrenaline is pumped up 
And I, I discovered from medical science that if your adrenaline is pumped up sometime, you will, you will lose the contact with pain. Correct, Pastor? So you feel that pain is gone. Okay? And when your adrenaline comes back down, which when you get back home or two days after, pain comes back. So we have testimonies. Say, hey, they have been healed. Whereas it's adrenaline, we pumped up. Yes, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I will teach you about healing. I'm telling you the truth. People will come out, exercise your faith, we pump them, pump them up, and they will throw their stick away, and they say, I can walk, I can walk. And the person say, I can walk, he's, he's still tipping toe, and what you are saying that, try, come on, exercise your faith. That's not healing. It's not healing. I don't want it. I don't want it. Can you see? What can you see? What can you see? What is this? I don't want it in my ministry. When a man's eyes is open, you will not show him what to see. Are we together? If a man is healed in his body, paralyzed, you will not try to help him to walk. Someone says that, yes, in the book of Acts 3, the first miracle in the ministry gate, Peter helped that man to walk. Okay? Because the Bible says when Peter told him to jump up and he didn't jump, Peter grabbed him. But read thereafter, the man was jumping, the Bible says, all over the temple, not aided by Peter. You will never again hear Peter did that. Because that was a young Peter in the faith. But when he became old, he said, Tabitha, arise. And the dead came to life. There are two different Peters. Even in his young age, when he grabbed that person, the person started jumping all over the place. You know, I was saying to Pastor, we were discussing that, you know, when I did my crusade in 1989, and uh, whenever I talk about that, I always make references. I told them the miracle, the, the scale of miracle I saw in that meeting for 90 days before that time and since after that time, you have seen miracles in my ministry, but it is, it is not to the scale I saw at that crusade. I have asked the Lord and the Lord told me that I decide when I want to do my miracles. As the Lord told me. What is the miracle for? The crusade of that place. How did it come about? I was sleeping in my house in London. 1977. And the angel of the Lord appeared to me. And said to me. Come let us go. And we, I came out of my body. We flew to Nigeria. And I asked him. Where is he taking me? He said that the father sent him to show me some things to come. And I got to Nigeria. I was between the space where the CSC church headquarters is and the highest heaven. And then he said to me, look down. And as I looked down, I saw that church. That's where I was born. It was covered and enveloped in thick darkness. 
I want to help you to understand something in telling you this. Because this is practical ministry. Okay? And I saw the angel that God assigned over the church. Every church has an assigned angel. A church that you don't have assigned angel, that means God didn't start it. Okay? And that angel, the inside was so dark. A darkness you can touch like metal. A darkness that when you come in, you are touching it like, like a solid. And the angel could not stay inside the church again. And the angel now was on top of the church, seated, bowed. His, the angel looked like a woman in figure. Okay? Bowed his head and put his hand on his chin in sorrow, sadness, and began to sing, Darkness covered the land of the hidden. Arise, O morning star, arise and set no more. She will repeat again, or he will repeat again. Darkness covers the land of the Eden. Arise, O morning star, and arise to set no more. And as I was looking at this angel, I heard from the throne of the Father, Revelations 2, 4. Revelations 2, 4. Revelations 2, 4. And then the Father said, Go and tell them what I have shown you. And the angel said, Let's go. And took me back from Nigeria. Dumped me back in my body in England. I got up. I said, God, I cannot. They will not believe in me. These people, as a Baptist pastor, when I go to their midst, they will not recognize me. Even in my collar, I will sit in the congregation. Okay? That's how I was treated. They knew I was a pastor of Baptist. But as far as they are concerned, if the CAC did not appoint ordain you, you are not a pastor of CAC. Simple as ABC. I said, how would they believe in me? You know, people will see you and they will greet you scornfully. And they see color on your neck, they will call you your name. And that's the kind of people they were doing for me. To say to you that you are a boy, you know. So I told God I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going there. And then, a few months after, Professor Emebore came to London, who is one of their senior pastors. And he asked for me. And he came to my house. And when we were talking, he said to me, what did God send you? I said, sir, this is the vision I had. I said, I think God brought you here so that you will go and deliver it. It is your people. And he said to me, my brother, when God reveals to a man and he sends a man, that man must deliver. He said, I have heard what you said. He is part of the Supreme Council. That is the Synod of CSA. He said, what you saw is true. We have seen, but we cannot speak. He said to me, I am in the system. I can't say anything. People like you who are outside are the one God can use. God has revealed to you, go. I say, but if I go, where will I start? The fact is that all those who are their key people, they are my seniors. They know me. I know them. Okay? But we look at them at a distance. 
and we still keep the distance then. So, and God was seeing all my arguments and my discontent and all stuff. You know what God did? Mommy, my wife, was traveling in a plane and she was the lead crew. And Prophet Obadari was in the plane. Who is my spiritual father? But blind. And Prophet Obadari said to the nurse beside uh, the uh, crew beside him, he said, Excuse me, excuse me. He said, Yes, sir. He said, That woman standing over there, a blind man, <laughs> call her for me. And the crew was looking, the, ah, Are you not blind? How can you see a standing woman? He said, call her for me. He said, because God has a need of her husband in my ministry. You know, that prophet, God give Nigeria people like them again. They are men who when they speak in their corridor, the nations will melt. For what they say is trustworthy, it will come to pass. They are not prophets of doom. They speak the counsel of heaven. Prophets who always see evil. They are not of God. So whatever the case may be. They called my wife. My wife went and knelt and greeted her. He said, your husband, God said, he has a need of him in my ministry. And my wife said, ah, that he is a, a Baptist pastor. You see now. And, uh, you know, um, he's your son too. But I don't think he will leave the Baptist. Uh, at that time, my wife didn't recognize that the Baptist have told me to leave. <laughs> and I've been going through that travel for months because she didn't come to London. The Baptist said I should leave because I was healing people and making them speak in tongues. After serving there for four years, <clears throat> they said I should leave. So, and at the time, I was thinking of leaving. 1970. In 87 encounter, in 1989 ending, 88 ending, this is coming. Whatever the case may be, I, went, I just called my wife, I'm coming home. So my wife said to, to the prophet, I will tell him. Said so when he comes, tell him to come and see me. That was the time I was planning to leave to go. I went, and I, when I went, you know, they told me, I said, no, I want to meet God for seven days. So I went into fasting and praying. Seeking God, why did you tell me to come? To, I, I've come to Nigeria. I said that I want to go to the British Embassy and change my student visa to missionary visa. Okay, that's my intention of coming. And I said, but they, they said that um, your son wants to see me. I was seeking God, what's going on? Why should I see him? And the Lord told me, I said, well, they go and see him before you go to the embassy. Oh, I told my wife, we are going to see Baba. Called the telephone and he said, yes, Baba will be in one place. I went, when I went in, got to where he was. He was planning, he was sitting down, intending to go and preach. And I told him that Pastor Alfred Williams is outside. He said, which Alfred Williams? They said, the one from London. He's outside? He said, yes. He said, you preach. And he said, I'm going. And he picked his Bible and they led him down. He said, where is he? They brought me. He said, enter the car, let's go. I entered his car, we went home. I, I help you to understand divine operations. We live more too much where God didn't send us. That's why we lose so much and waste energy and strength and money. 
Jesus has told me before that you are not, you can't die for the world. I have done that. Go to where I send you. Are you with me? Because sometimes you look at the need somewhere. You want to go there. Another need somewhere. You want to go there. He told me that I have to send you. Whatever the case may be, we ended at our poem. Then Baba told me, my son, the Lord told me that he needs you in my ministry. And I told Baba that I, yes, I do not doubt you. And he said to me, by the way, which, which group did you belong to? I was told that you, you serve under me. I said, yes. And I told him about the Lagos Crusades. You know, I was under my mom, Jesu, and all the rest of them. He said, what? He said, no wonder God brought you back. I said, I'm happy to be back, sir. He said, the Lord said you will go back to London and you, go, you, are, you are going to London to go and uh, pastor my ministry, my church there. I said, sir, thank you for the offer. I have just served people for four years. They disappointed me. I made up my mind not to serve a man anymore. I said, Daddy, God didn't tell me that. He said, what did you say? I said, God didn't tell me that. He said, oh. I said, you don't have to worry, sir. Heaven is not far. Give me five minutes. And I will tell you what God is saying. He said, oh. He went away. And I began to ask God, how will you send me to a man you didn't tell me about? How will a man tell me what you want me to do? If you haven't spoken to me, you have, he said I have not spoken on the run. If you haven't spoken to me, I can't run. I have served my life with some people. They disappointed me. I will not follow a man again. Lord, what is about him? And the Lord opened my eyes and said, look at his church in London. And I saw the church. I saw a man. He said, that is the man that is causing the trouble there. You will go there and you will remove that man. And he says to me, and you will do this and this and this. And he showed me six months in the church. This is the number of membership. Nine months in the church. This is the number of membership. That is where, Pastor, I know that no matter how much television advert you do, you will not get more than the number he allocated to you. You can crush your head. Okay? You won't get it. He controls the number that remain in the household. At a particular time. Somebody has churches all over the whole world. It's irrelevant to me. I don't respect people because they have churches all over the world. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I may really honor a man who just have one small church somewhere there. But if I ask him what is God saying, he will talk to me straight away and tell me. And I know what he's saying is correct. I will not flock with people because they have followership and they have big crusades. Mm-hmm. That's why you see me this way. Or else, all my big name friends, like this meeting I'm supposed to call, if I call one of them, they will run. Even if they have a point, they will cancel it. Because they have been sending to me, they want to come and visit here. I said, no. 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 Association can make or destroy you. That is how Baba came out. And the Lord told me I can serve him for three, I can work with him for three and a half years. And what is sending me will happen after three and a half years. When he came in, I told him, Baba, I said, ah, he started dancing. He was singing praises. When he finished singing praises to God, he sat with me and said, my son, he said, you know who I am <coughs> in the Lord. Nobody confronted me before. He said, you are the first person in my life who confronted me. And he told me, I've been looking for someone like yourself. Who I can use to balance what I hear from God. That when I say I hear from God, I heard from God. Somebody tells me he hasn't heard. 
And in five minutes, God spoke. And when I described those things to him, he said, I know him. He mentioned the name of the man. I said, that is the man. Then God spoke to me about, about um, Liberia. His church in Liberia. The problem coming in, the calamity coming in Liberia. He said, you are the one I'm looking for. That is how, through him, I was introduced to CAC. And then I was sent to their normal procedure, gave me certificate or deal and all stuff like that. And they now told me, they now posted me to the church that the Lord revealed to me in the vision. I didn't tell them. Okay? So when they posted me to the church, that that is my parish. Alright? But that parish has about five, five pastors who are my seniors, my big brothers. Okay? So I came there with certificate now that I'm part of the church now. They now say, okay, you are freeborn of the church, but now you are part of the clergy. They now say, okay, all my big brothers have met together. I said, what shall we do to this boy? Okay, because now he's been part of us. Now he's legitimately one of us. Let him encourage us in the Lord next Sunday. You see how prophecy is working? None of them knew what I saw. Only Professor Mabre knows it. He never spoke to anybody. Because Professor, that's what the kind of person he is. If God sent you, go sort yourself out. Full stop. That's how we're raised. So when they said that to me, I now call some of my old members of Light of the World. From the 60s to the 70s. Who are my seniors who used to go out to villages to preach. And now call them. They came. They are all pastors now. In the same church. But in various branches. They came. To celebrate that I'm not part of them. They used to call me tiny. They said tiny. <laughs> we know you two will be a pastor. <laughs> because as tiny as I was in those days, if they, somebody says that it's a kogon, it's a, a papalau, I will go to him that you will go to hell. You will go to hell. <laughs> and the witness of saying to me that you this boy, you don't want to live long. I said to him that I've lived long already. <laughs> they will just waste you. Waste who? You don't know the son of who I am. You know, I was the one they sent out. And they were telling the people that, if you mess this, if you try to mess up with it, it will finish you. We live in with you. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> so, they all happy. They came. I now shared the vision with them. I said, next Sunday, all of you should come and surround this building. Because the work is about to be done. When I mount the pulpit, I told them. And I will say, Nobody should move out of this place. Block the doors. You are the one who will take over. And we agreed. So I was told on the Sunday, they called me to come and preach. And when they called me to come and preach, I picked up the microphone and I started. And when the young son came, I said, they should seal the whole doors. 30 minutes message. I preached for three hours nonstop. Sunday service. 30 minutes I said to them, I will talk to the saints. And I talked to the saints of God. By the second lap, I, I now told them the vision I saw. And I told them that the mandate of this is to remove that man I saw. Who is the catalyst of evil in this church. Unknowingly to me, that man had been the senior prophet for 12 years in that church. With him is the box of covenant of blood. Not in the spirit. Physically. They have initiated over 250 
parishioners into witchcraft in the same place. And they hold their witchcraft meeting in the same room that the elders hold meeting. When elders have their meeting on Saturday, they go. The witches will come to the same room, headed by the pastor local. I will together now. Why did God do so much miracles there that I haven't seen that height since then? Because he sent me. And Lord made me recognize that. That there are some times we go out permissive, but there are some times he sends perfect. We love God. God did, in that place, I was sharing with pastors, that was where my sister is here, Pastor Bumi is here. She was there at that time. And the, uh, Pastor um, Adigun also, we were all from that church. And the, the sister, the mother, the lame was healed, not by handling. A, mouth, a boy was, a girl who was crippled by polio, the legs were mumbled together. And I pointed from a distance and said, rise up in the name of Jesus. The power of God carried the child up. Second time, he carried him up. Third time, he carried him up. He was about one foot floating in the air. And the power of God hit those dead legs on the ground. The child ran. The leg grew and expanded. He ran. I did not touch him. I have no business with him. That time will return back now to everybody. To everybody. You don't say to a cripple, uh, just exercise faith. They don't need any faith. The faith they need is your own faith. That is what we're talking about. Dead was raised. God moved so much in prophetic. People who had lump in their body, there was a girl, they were looking at her, her skin like this, the mother, and the mark in the body vanished. Into like a mist. Very fair in complexion with black tattoo. The tattoo, black. They saw it missing away and it vanished. That is miraculous signs and wonders. When I speak, witches will begin to shake. I look and I see the unction resting upon the witches and I went and I picked them up. You are a witch, follow me. It's not. The moment I talk, then they start to shake. They start to shake and they begin to confess. Shut your mouth. You don't talk. I don't permit demons to speak when I minister. Demons should have spoken. They refuse to speak. That way they have spoken in Isaiah is the end of their speech. People must hear Jesus only. God did. Dead was raised there. In miraculous things happen. But you know why? God has a time for things like that. If you try to mechanize it, you will only pump adrenaline. Those who say they are healed today will say tomorrow they are not healed. <coughs> you know, what I want to go, to go away with is this. Let me say this to you. Any method that you know and you have applied before, if Jesus didn't do so, never do it again. Let's settle that. You know what the Lord said to me that, okay? If you try to mimic God or create God... God will be looking at you that you should do it then. Beside you, God will raise men who will deal like Christ and miraculous. You know, the, if you look at the book of Acts chapter 8, in the, in the church of, um, in, the, in the city of uh, Samaria, there was a man called Samuel the Sorcerer. 
He had been the local champion. They believed that he had the power of God until Philip showed up. What a distinction is that Philip did not behave like him. Philip was preaching and demons were coming out. He didn't even address demons. Philip was preaching and the lame were walking. The blind saw miracles began to happen. And because the people saw that, this is different from this imposter who had manipulated us. And the magician himself came and said, I bow to you, God. That season is coming back. You know, we have seen miracles in our churches in one level or the other. It's not a problem. That is season. There is a season. Who does miracle? It's Jesus. But he uses us as vessels. So if you and I are available, and he healed only one person out of ten, that's what he wants to do. If he can heal one out of ten, could he not heal the whole ten? So when he healed one out of ten, why are we angry? Why are we knocking our head and believing that it's our strength that we make the other ones healed and force them? That must not be done. Jesus told me one day. He said to me that, who is the healer? I said to you. Who is the vessel? I said to me. He said, when you command in my name and I heal one and I don't heal the other, what do you do? He said to me to stay clear. Because in those days when I pray for people, go hear somebody, another person is not here, I will begin to cry. I will begin to weep. I will scream my intestine. Heal in the name of Jesus. Until the Lord told me, who is the healer? He said, you. Okay. Who is the vessel? I said, me. He said to me, what is your job? These signs will follow them that believe in my so if you send the name, if the demon is not cast out, you are not to be disgraced. It is the name. You move on. As long as they hear the word. Amen. He will heal one today and leave the other. He has reason why he does that. And I have moved in my program before that. I didn't pray and people were getting healed. Now people were getting healed. Do I expect healing all the time? Yes. Do I expect him to heal everybody? Yes. But does he heal all the time? No. Does he heal everybody all the time? No. Why does he do it? I don't know. Do I have to know? No. What I have to know is my standing. My standing. Do we get it now? The rules of the thumb. Verse 1 to verse 6. And we will stop in that. What are the things that a minister can do? And you can attain the height I'm talking about. You know that uh, we know that fasting is a very, very good weapon. Yes. And we know that praying is a very, very good weapon. Yes. But let me say this to you. And the word of God too. Reading the word of God and speaking the word of God is a very good weapon. But not everybody who fasts see him. Say the Lord. Not everybody who pray encounter him. And not everybody who read the word of God have the knowledge of him. But yet, we must pray, we must fast, and we must read the word. Have you ever asked yourself, one day they said that Jesus Christ went to his own town and he could not do any miracle. Did you not see that? Okay. Was Jesus frustrated? No. 
Was he angry with the father? He packed his bag and baggage and moved on. Really? These are his own people. And he could get nothing done with them. Because they don't recognize him, they know him as a carpenter. And they have all these manners of thought that this young boy, when did he become? But Jesus didn't worry. He went to the next town. And the Bible says, you read that scripture, all the sick were healed. <laughs> Look at the first thing that we need before fasting and prayer. Before your fasting can mean to God and your prayer. If it is by fasting and prayer, people get the manifestation. Understand me. Many people who go empty bellies for 40 days, for 50 days, for 20 days and 30 days, they will have turned the whole world upside down. Huh? The first thing is verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That is the first requirement to operate like him. Your lifestyle. Your lifestyle. Now, what is the basis of your lifestyle? The first thing Jesus said about your lifestyle and my lifestyle is that we are prisoners. A prisoner is a man who has lost his freedom. A prisoner is a man that he will not eat unless the water gives him food. He does not decide not to eat. It is the water that decides for him that, well, we are not going to feed you for three days, and they won't feed him. Okay, we will give you only breakfast, and that's what they give him. A, water, a prisoner is a man in chain, and the one who is his Lord holds his chain. He cannot go to the toilet when he wants unless the water the Lord of the prisoner, allow him to do so. Really, when a prisoner is a prisoner, somebody slap him, he cannot reply because his hands are in chains. Somebody insults him, he cannot be angry because already he's already lost his liberty. How can a prisoner therefore pick on people who have attacked him, people who insult him, people who do not respect him, people who, who, who hate him, people who lied against him? Are you see a prisoner? What you are in as a prisoner chain is more than all those insults. So how could a minister reply to all these things? If somebody is in prison and in chain, can you remember those who did not help him many years ago? Can you remember those who hated him many years ago? Those who disappointed him many years ago? It's all those things are... A way of Satan engaging the heart of man so that the heart of man will be so busy as to miss God. Look, let me give you an example. You know, this is cathedral now. This is a beautiful edifice, isn't it? When we bought this edifice, it was so, so derelict. What about if the Lord tells me to leave this place now and hand over to somebody else and move? Can I do that? If I cannot, he didn't send me. Let me tell you something. In the context of man, they will say, general overseer and founder. Hmm? Okay? The founder of Boot, chemist, where is he now? 
His bones are rotten. If you look at the companies that are over 100 years in Britain, their founders are gone. Okay? So, a founder today will become history tomorrow. Therefore, anything God had made of me or through the grace he has given me, the day I think I cannot hands off it, I miss God from that day. Because what produced this is inside here. If he sends me to a wilderness, it will produce better things. Really, when we got to this building, you know why we bought this building? It's mommy that made us buy this building, not me. When she came, when they brought, when the owners of this building came to me and they brought this building to me, I said to them that this is too small for my vision. The vision I saw is to build it. I saw people more than 20,000 in one service. I said, no, 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 this is not my vision. I haven't had God then. And she interjected immediately and said, sorry, when we bought New Cross, you said it's not your vision. (laughs) (laughs) Then it became your vision. (laughs) You saw there anyway. Now, this is an opportunity. You want it to go again and say it's not your vision. If it is not your vision, we will buy this one. Then you can go and look for your vision. Really, I mean, my pastors will tell you, everything you see in this church, you are going to see many things during this convention. Everything was her vision, not my vision. Apart from the aesthetic architecture and stuff, the structure and running of the church, every group that set up in the church, she set them up, not me. I'm not concerned about group. I'm concerned about spiritual. My wife is the one who said, oh, you need, uh, we need to set up, as God will tell her, Joanna, they set them up. Um, tabernacle women. I said, which one is Tabernacle women again? <laughs> she told me what God said. What, when she, you know, she teaches, of course. How many of you are, are students? Raise your hand up. They're in Bible school. She teaches them in the Bible school. And when she teaches, I wonder where she, how she gets his own understanding. It's totally weird to the way I operate. So her understanding will produce structure. I've got the structure in place, but I understand it will fill the structure. And then I will need that structure. But then when I need it, it's already taken care of. And each one of these group, I said, you set this up, you know, I said, okay, go ahead. What did God say? Go ahead. She called and she trained them. When we would do our dinner on Saturday, for those of you who have been the dinner, you will discover that the, the, the whole table set. Those who will set the table, who will serve in the dinner, who will attend to you, they are all trained by her here in this house. And we have hosted President of Nation who stood up and said that, you know, I have been everywhere. I've never seen this standard of service. But that is her. Not me. So therefore, if this is not my vision, if the Lord said I should leave it alone, what should be a problem for me? And the one who built them to 10,000. Mm-hmm. If you build them to 10,000, then go and build another 10,000. <laughs> if I have to be told to leave and I left, have I lost? No. The work is to my credit in heaven. 
So my account. After all, I've come to a place now after 25 years. I have to sit down and see what others do it. Let me see it. In my lifetime, when I'm still active, so that they are perfectly doing what I do. So that should the Lord say, come home, I just pack my bag and go. There is nothing on earth that I need that I haven't got. Nothing under heaven. As I am standing so, I'm fully prepared to go. Okay? We are prisoners. We don't have a will. Until you lose it, you can't get it. God can use a man who has his own will. God can reveal his nakedness to a man who has his own pattern of thinking. You are prisoners. So, what encapsulates our prisonship, or, or prisoner, whatever you call it, grammar people, our prison terms is to be like Jesus Christ. Is to be like Jesus Christ. Now, I want all of you to copy from me. I believe people say that if you are to come unto people, they will be rude to you. But Jesus was common to everybody. Were they not rude to him? They were. But did that stop him from cross? No. He helped him to get to the cross. I will not live my life because some people will abuse the privilege of my obeying God. Let me repeat myself. I will sit down with any of my members at anywhere and take what they are eating and eat it and give back to them and share what I'm eating with them. I will lie on the floor with them. We will play together. Regardless how many millions follow me on earth is irrelevant to me. Those millions have no business with me. I am me. I will together now. And I will give honor more to the lower estate than those who are high. Because those who are high and mature, I have given enough honor to. I will not be attending to a poor man in my church and a, a, a president of nation comes and I leave that man to go and attend to the president. I will tell that president to wait for it. If he doesn't learn how to wait for his turn, he will learn it with me. This is the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Identify with the poor in their lowest states. The general overseer or archbishop, apostle or prophet or whatever name we call ourselves, pope, when we are in the midst of our flock, people outside come in, they don't know who is who. That is what I believe. That is what he said. Why? We are prisoners. Do you know that all these principles that have come into the church, I've warned you about and I warn you again. How can a prisoner have bodyguards? You lose it. You lose it. There are some other things they are doing <clears throat> that... Somebody invited you to come and preach. They said they have a form that they will have to send. They will tell that person how much they will earn for the trip. And they are going to preach somewhere. They carry all their material because they want to sell. They want to make money. The Lord told me that as many who do it, He will make sure they are poor. You know you can have money and you are poor. Very, very poor. If you look at people who price all this and look at their wives, their menace, look at their children, their abomination, look at their ministry, they will always have the devil showing them that he's in control without God being able to rescue them. Listen to me. We are prisoners. What about if somebody abuses your humility? They did it to Jesus Christ. 
That doesn't stop you to be humble. You are not humbling, humbling yourself because you want to impress people. You want to live the life that the master lived. Full stop. Amen. They abuse you. They disabuse you. They don't abuse you. Somebody respect. I don't want respect from anybody. Anybody who respects me will be respected by the one who sent me. If you disrespect me, it's the business of the one who sent me. So when angels respect me and the Lord Jesus respect me, whose respect do I need? We are prisoners. I went to preach. They didn't give me offering. I didn't go there for offering. Because sometimes we will walk on the streets and somebody will come and just bless us. I was telling them when I came from Nigeria trip. This is my last trip to Crusade. When I came into the Crusade, at the door, some people come, came to me. And they said, Daddy, we just want to give you this money because we know you will need money in Nigeria. I was so 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 surprised because they came and I thought, oh, what issue, what issue? And they were bringing money. That is the issue. <laughs> Are you with me now? Okay? Now let me say this to you. They came and gave me money. Even some of them who probably were not there and stuff, they gave me money. And I started teaching. And then the group of ministers were coming again. And they were giving me money. Now let me say this to you. As they gave me money here. Initially. Another one will come here who has a need. And Jesus says you must not say no. To everybody that asks. So from what they give me. I give. The one who received from me. Believed that I own the money. But no. Why should God allow. Someone to give me money. And then another person who has a need came to me thereafter. If not that, the one I received, he wanted me to. Because those who gave me don't know this person. I am the bridge. So if I say I have to hold it, what have I done? I shut the door. Okay? So I received, I give it. I received, I, until all the needs of those who arose met, and there is no one to give anymore. I put that in my account. In one day in London, Pastor, I told my gardener, whenever I drive into my house in London, I said that my neighbors have flower. I don't have flower. So I called my gardener and said that, look, if my neighbors have flower in their driveway, I should have flower in my driveway. You know, my wife used to tell me a dream that she has, and I had the same dream, that we will live in a house when we are living in a small hut here. You know, where we have a drive-in and a drive-out, and we have flowers, like we, a place we call it Koyi in Nigeria. In those days when we were small, when we were young, those who live in that place, only two people live there. One part is for the dead, the other part is for the living. Is for the living. But those who live in the living... They really live. <laughs> and those who are in the cemetery, they are really dead. <laughs> so when we are going to the living, we pass among the dead. Nobody wants to see them. But when you get to the living, ah, you're happy. So we, are, we have been having this reward since we were growing, going together. And then God gave me the house. So I said, there is no flower. And I called my gardener and I said that. 
Go and calculate how much it will cost you to put these flowers in all this driveway. My gardener came back and said that 1,200 pounds. I don't have it. I said, okay, when will you buy it? He said, next week. I said, okay. I came to the church here. Not here. No cross. One of our, my daughters in the church just came to me and said, the Lord told me that you need 1,200 pounds. This is it. I took it. I said, daughter, I asked of the Lord. I lamented that I don't have flour. They brought the bill. It is 1,200 he said, yes, the Lord told me that you need 1,200 pounds. I said, so, when you come to my house, behold, that flower, that's your memorial. Anytime I drive through that place and I say, Lord, I thank you for the flowers, he will respond to your life. She has company now. She's employing people now. Are you with me? Same thing with building this house. When I say, Lord, we have to spend X amount of money. The money will just come. So what am I saying to you? If I wrote to people to tell them how much I will, they will cost them, if I come to preach for you, or ask them how many number of people are there, so that I won't go when I think they are small, God will let me do it myself. We are prisoners of Jesus Christ. In closing, in that scripture, it says, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. The calling you have received. There is a life worthy of ministerial calling. Now, the first, the first condition, verse 2. Be completely humble. That's the first condition. Humility is not being quiet and walking like somebody who doesn't talk. No, that's not humility. Humility is identified with everybody in their state. I we together now. There are some things that God taught me very recently that is interesting. The second thing is be patient. The King James Version call <clears throat> it says you should be you should be lowly with all lowliness and meekness, which is which the uh, uh, um, NIV call hum, to be humble and gentle. Lowliness is humble. Uh, meekness is gentle. With long-suffering. Long-suffering is patience. How are we getting it now? Be patient. Bearing with one another. Hmm? In love. I want to underline this seriously. Then it says, Make every effort, verse 3, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Two major things here. Love and peace. Love and peace. You see, when we instruct, we are looking for the uh, success of the hearer. When we rebuke, we are looking for the success of the hearer. When we command, we are looking for the success of the hearer. A shepherd is a father. 
Now, let me just switch over because I promise you we'll look at that. To the church. The church of God. Here the Bible says to us, quality number one, humble completely, he says. So there is incomplete humility. Two, gentle. Three, patient. Four, bearing with one another in love. Okay? Five, making effort to keep the unity of the Spirit by establishing peace around your borders. Why should we have these elements? Because the body is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, even to disobedience. And then he now said, Verse 7, which we trust you for. But to each other. Now, if you look at this criterion for ministers, I want to show you something. The church of God. I said to you in the beginning of this meeting, that is where we will close today. When you are a pastor, you think the church is for righteous people. Forget it. It's not for righteous people. What is the church of the living God? Lack of knowledge of this has made some ministers to destroy what they built. What I want to share with you now. You take all these five things behind your mind. <laughs> if you should be gen- completely gentle, it means that God will put you to test. Uh, completely humble. He will put you to test in that. By true people. If you should be completely gentle, He will put you to test by people. If you should be should forbear others, he will test you in it. He will test your tolerance. If you are supposed to correct in love, he will test your tolerance by provocation. Okay? And you must not respond to it. If you have to create peace, he will test you by getting allowing people to become to have factions in your church. Different factions. You are teaching the church. You assign somebody to help you oversee people, and that person will now override the authority and be telling the people another thing. Okay? God saw it. God heard it. God didn't let you know it until when that one had finished his work, and then you know it. Unfortunately, some of the people that that person has spoken to are your loyal people. They became disloyal. So what do you do as a shepherd? Long-suffering. You switch to the gear of long-suffering. Because in rebuking and handling this case, you must still maintain love and you must still maintain peace so that the body is one. <laughs> is there anybody who is suffering from a problem within the, the left chest area here? Anybody having pain in this left chest area? Is anybody? You and you and you. Lord, we thank you for healing them. Let's continue. 
He is gone. Now let me say this to you. Why should church people behave worse than unchurch people? Why should a pastor burn his life night and day, pray for his members, raise them from nothing? They don't know anything. You taught them all they know. Then push them forward. Back off. Present them to the church to be respected by the people, to be honored by the people because they are part of the people. Haven't assigned them. If you don't put them in control, people will still be dealing with them as equals. Haven't you done all that? They now carve a, a, a team out. Who they are now lying to. They tell them anything that you are not. Several things you are not. They lied and lied and lied. Oh. Unfortunately, God didn't expose their lie. And they had a group. And suddenly, the whole group departed from your church when you most need them. Why should a, 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 a pastor serve under a Jew or under you know, a bishop or an archbishop? And you are faithful, you are loyal to your death, to your life. And somebody went and told that bishop, Lies about you. And the bishop forgot all your faithfulness and followed the, the, the wrong information. And as a shepherd. How would you handle that bishop? Who you have served all your years and he now stabbed you like that. And you can't even tell him that what, is, what they told him is, is not true. He believed the liar than believing you. That is the test of your shepherdry. It is the test of your calling. Look at. Let me show you this very quickly. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. It says, if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. That's the definition of church. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Here he's talking about conduct of the household, isn't it? But he revealed to us the definition of the church. The church of God is God's household. Eh? God's household, the church of the living God, pillar and foundation of truth. So it means that you and I all our messages should be on that pillar. The pillar is truth. The foundation is truth. Are we together now? We mustn't lie to the church. You know, can I say this to you? Never say God is saying when God has not really said. You know, Apostle, this time I went and pastor, a minister came to meet me and he took time. And when, when we got into the room, my office, he locked up. He said, I should lock up. I locked the office. He said, Apostle, I want to ask you a question, sir. He said, I've been following you for years on your television program. That's so long time. He said, so when I heard you are coming, I said, I will cancel everything. He said, this is the question. He said, you, whenever you say God said this will happen, we write it down to date they happen. He said, I'm under a father who every time he says, Thus saith the Lord, at this time, this will take place, and this will take place, and this will take place, and at that time, nothing will happen. 
He will say again, thus said the Lord, and such and such a time, this will happen to this person, this will happen here, this will happen to the government, nothing will happen. But he said he does not stop saying that thus said the Lord, and this date, given date and time. He said, how will I handle him? What shall I do? And sit before him and tell him, Sir, this is what we have observed. I have observed. On this date, you said this. It did not happen. On this date, you said this. It did not happen. On this day, you said this. It did not happen. Because he said to me, Now it's becoming like a shame to us who are his lieutenant. Because when he starts talking, the choice, yeah, yeah, he comes. I said, That's what you do. Do you understand? Who knows whether he wanted me to say that pack your bag and baggage and leave the place? No. No. You leave when they send you out, Jesus said. If they didn't kick you out, if you leave, you leave to a misdirection in life. If you look at everybody who did that, they never succeeded. To go? Someone said that the Lord had told me to go. Mm-mm. 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 When God tells a man to leave a church, you can't leave. He has not spoken. Why? Acts chapter 13. Why they were what? Fasting and worshipping. Holy Ghost said what? To somebody else, not to Paul, neither to Barnabas, but in the public. The truth shall be established by what? Two or three weaknesses. So you guys telling me to leave, and there they didn't send me away. He's not telling me to leave yet. Maybe he's telling me that I will leave. But when my time is up, if I do remain, the authority will tell me that, do you, do you understand? We don't want you here anymore. So when the authority says that, you have to beg them that, please let me stay. Maybe it's Satan who wants to get you out of the place before the time of God. The fact is that if you leave before God's timing, even though you are supposed to leave, you will be struggling until the appointed time will come. You will never succeed. That even those who are called to leave. This is God you are dealing with. That's what happened to me in Baptist too. Plotted against me seven months of things. I remained there. Until one day one of them said to me that, See, if God sent you, why don't you go back to your Africa and come back as a minister? And I stood up. I said, You have broken the camel's bar. Today I resign in this house because you have told me to leave. And my senior pastor was crying. But this is a committee. In Baptist, we vote by committee. And if majority says you are, leave, you are leaving, you are leaving. And I went. And I came back. The day I came back and I entered, I came back from Nigeria with a missionary visa. When I entered the service at the door, my pastor was preaching. He stopped preaching and he was looking at me. He could not utter anything. Same thing in CAC. I didn't leave CAC. When I finished my crusade, I continued in CAC until post me to London. The leader of London sent a message to Nigeria that I'm catching witches in London again. Then the authority in Nigeria called me back to Nigeria that why are you catching witches again? <laughs> 
You are catching witches in Nigeria. They send you to London to go and walk. You are catching witches. Separate walk from catching witches. And I said to them, if I can catch witches, I will go to Igbo market and begin to catch them. Not in the church. And then they said to me that, look, sit down. Honored Father, he said, if you want to fulfill the mandate, live now. He said, we have seen what is in you. We are not ready for it. If you stay here, we will kill you. Not physically. He said, spiritually you will die. And he told me the name of one man who was raised in 1971. I know him. I sat under him. He said, where is he today? He said, we killed him. He named another man who was called in 1973. Another man who was called in 1974. He said, we killed him. He said, How? And he began to tell me. He said, the people who rule here, they kill the righteous. What God is sending you, go. He said, when God sends you and what God is sending you becomes big, they will call for you. That's where I am today. They are calling for me. But I will not leave them and turn my back. I still go there all the time. I have so many children who are from there who are pure, who are faithful, who are loyal, but they can't rise up because the hope is stinking. And they needed the father, I father them. For those who are up, the day we meet, we talk. Now when I talk to the up now, they accept me as a man who is in control, not as one under them. Okay? Though the creep of all the evil workers, God took all of them out. They die one after the other. I told them they would die. Yeah, because God told me to tell them that he would take them out. And I told them, when God tells me to tell somebody that he's going to tell him by death, I don't care about it. God said you would die. Finish. I didn't curse you. Neither did I pray to you for you to die. I just said to you that God said you would die. If you don't repent from this one, even some of them, I told them the month that they would be taken and they were taken. One of them, I told them, God told me you'll be blind. And after you are blind, recognize you are gone. And it happened exactly as the trend. So what I'm saying to us, we must be very careful. We must make sure, according to his word, that we heard him and act upon him. So the church is God's household. Now, in the church, because it's God's household, all the children righteous, very quickly write this down. Why do you have all the mess in the church? It's God's household. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. What are the two categories of people you have in church? It says in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and what? And clay. Some are noble. Some are for noble purpose. And some for ignoble. That answers all your questions. What is the word noble? The word noble means having or showing fine personal qualities and high moral principles and purpose. So you have people who are 
highly moral in the church, but you have people who are ignoble, who are not moral, people who are debased in their thinking. People who want to introduce the world into the church. People will tell you that it doesn't care how we dress, it doesn't care how we look, God looks at the inside. Not recognizing that out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus says, the mouth speaks. Show me yourself and I'll tell you what is in your heart. They will tell you how much the church has to change their music to attract the world. So that they will take you from, from holiness into ungodliness. They will tell you how much you must be careful when, you know, you don't have to be bashing people, bashing people, bashing people. And make you forget the fact that the sower sowed the seed. He does not think about where he falls. Listen, therefore, we have in the church goats and we have sheep. We have in the church noble and we have ignoble. We have in that context people who have been trained from a well-trained home, grew up well-trained. And you have people who are not trained at all. In their own thinking, bad thing is just the right thing. And you have to raise them. You have people that in their family, they are traitors. Always backbiting people, assassinating people. That's what the parents do before the children. That's what they grow to know. And they are in the church. And in a short time, they will soon be doing those things in the church. Today, there is a problem here. They are the one. There is another problem in the usher. They are the one. The choir is having a headache. They are the one. Will you throw them out? Even if you tell them to go, they cry and they beg you. And they repent only to strike again. They are ignoble. The Bible called them wood or clay. Alright? You can show forth gold. You can show forth silver. You can show forth wood. You can show forth clay. You are still working on them. It says, if a man cleanses himself from the letter, which is ignoble, he will be an instrument for noble purpose. So your message has to change your ignoble to noble. But it will take you time and pain. Said, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. We all come to church ignoble. It is the message that changes our ignobility to nobility. If you think that everybody who comes to church are saints, I'm so sorry for you. Someone says to me that, don't you think you made a mistake ordaining this person into, into leadership? I said, there's no such a thing. When they were going to ordain the seven deacons, they said people full of Holy Spirit and wisdom, isn't it? Among them was Mr. Nicholas, Deacon Nicholas. Who at the end of the day began to preach to the people that you can still have sex with women. If you have three, four, five women, it doesn't matter. It's just a little uh, uh, sin you have committed to. You will, be, you will be repented and you shall be forgiven. Is it not Nicholas who taught him about the, the practice of Jezebel and the principle that became Nicolaitanism? That, you know, grace covers all things. It doesn't matter. Grace just covers all things. You can sin a little bit and then a little ease does not destroy the door. Did people not follow him? They did. 
They did. So if you ordain a leader and the leader becomes something else, understand in the church are ignobles and they have to be cleansed by the world and you have to be patient with them to make them noble. And you have to wait until they decide to be noble. What about if they get angry and they walk away from you and then you know, lambast you and run down everything that you are doing, useless and stuff. And after some time they came back and said, Pastor, I'm sorry, will you send them away? <laughs> you have to accept them. <laughs> Even if they didn't say, I'm sorry, I see them coming back and they begin to now look all over the whole place. Like a son who had been away for three days and you are looking for, now he's now coming home. He doesn't know what to, to do, how to enter. Will you not beckon to them? Come, my son, come, my son, sit down and let the rest of the brethren know that this is my son. Huh? Will you not celebrate they are coming back? Will you pray that God should destroy them, destroy their house, destroy their work, destroy their this and destroy their. What about if they are the one that God will use for you in your old age? And Satan is the one who shipwrecked them and made them go so that you will not have the support in your old age. And then when you get to that old age, because you have caused them to die, you have caused their family, you have caused everything, they are bankrupt, and now you will not have money in your old age. This is the person supposed to raise you. But you have used your mouth to bankrupt him. So both you and them will suffer to grave. Don't you understand that anybody who curses you, who abuses you, but they are born again abusers. They are still God's children. The Bible says so. Household of faith, they are part of it. Family of God, they are part of it. They plotted against you and they rebelled against you. They destroyed you. They are part of the family. So what about the bishop who went to his pulpit and said that? As my God leaves. All these pastors. I put the curse upon them. I put a curse upon their family. I put a curse upon their children. Why? Because they left. Leave my house. It's not leave the world. That is not a minister of God. Why should people leave you and they see you outside? They are afraid to come near you. Because you have cursed them you have battered them. You have left the preaching of the gospel to preach about them, what they did to you. The pulpit is not a place to answer people. This is the scripture. What about dogs? The Bible says, watch the dogs in the house. The dogs go back to their vomit. If you look at the book of Jude, the book of Jude tells us, if someone can just look at Jude very quickly, you read just two, three scriptures, three verses in Jude. The book of Jude. Alright? Verse, verse um, 4. 4 says, For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They will come among you. They are godless. You might have ordained them as leaders before they show their godlessness. I will gather now. So in the household of God, you have godless men. You know, when God made me understand this one, I pity God so much. I told you, look at verse 16 too. Verse 16 says, These men are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desire, no matter how much you preach. They boast about themselves 
and flatter others of their own to their own advantage. Has it happened to you in church? If it does not happen, it will still happen. Because it's part of what you go through. I told the prophetic voice ministers, if you have not gone through trial, and you are, everything is blossoming for your church, is growing, everything is growing, and you are still young, beg God, please, let my trial come quick. I don't want to have trial in my old age. Let them disappoint me quick. Father, please help me, help me. Bring my trial. So that you pass through your trial when you are still having bones and organs in your body. And old age hasn't come and gray hair hasn't come. So that you'll be disappointed to learn how to now move on. Or else, if you don't have it on time, it's in your old age. No minister will pass through this world without passing through it. Unless you are not pastoring the church of God. Okay? If you pastor your own family, even it will happen in your family to you. Say <laughs> somebody, your family will just manifest as an ignoble that you have to work on to not make him noble. He will just manifest as a, as a dog or a goat that you just have to make him a sheep and turn him back to him, a, a person. So the Bible says this, this man will, will, will slip into your midst, he'll sing your praise, carry, if you tell him to carry chair, he will carry chair and table together. If you tell them that you want people to serve in the usher, they will serve usher, they will serve choir, they will serve in camera, they will serve everywhere. And in every persona, you will say that these people are God's and you will bend your knees before the Lord and thank the God of heaven for sending them. So that you can't wait for the next ordination and appoint them. And God will be looking at you, he will not stop you. Alright? Really, when you don't put their name in ordination, in the last minute as you are working, ordain people, Holy Ghost will tell you to ordain them. And you call them out. They are not in the list. And you ordain them. Say so you have forgotten the love of, of and knowing fully well that this is the man that will stab your back. And he ordained it. Did he not do so to himself? Jesus prayed in Luke chapter 6 all night and appointed the twelve. Among them was what? Judas. Did he appoint Judas by mistake? No, he has a destiny to fulfill. Your Judas will live forever. Amen. You didn't say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Do you know something? Because if there is no Judas, there is no glory. If there is no Judas, there is no fulfillment. Can you imagine if Judas was not there, the rest of the people, like Peter, they will carry sword and, and cut people's head who want to attack Jesus Christ. They are ready to kill them. They are fundamentally before they got born again. Because the Bible, I don't think, I don't know whether you guys understand this. The Bible said that they always go with daggers. The twelve disciples. They had daggers in their hand. That's the reason why when the man, the man, the man, who came to Jesus, one of them who came to Jesus Christ to expose him? Peter took his dagger, caught the air, and Jesus said to him, put the dagger back to his pod. So his pod is there all the time. His dagger is always with him all the time. Because at that time, Peter has not understood spiritual things. As far as he's concerned, he's the Messiah. We are going to fight for liberty and we win the liberty. So he has his dagger in his pod. Jesus said, put, Jesus didn't say, throw it away. He said, put it back. <laughs> When we get to heaven, we're going to ask Peter some few questions. <laughs> Listen to me. And you see, all the people follow Jesus like that. Various characteristics of people. Jesus did not take the best of people. He took radicals straight. Peter, we understand that he's easily angered. 
Peter cannot condone nonsense for too long. You can mess around with Andrew. You mess about with Peter. Your ear is going to be... <laughs> it was the type of Mike Tyson. <laughs> your ear will go out of your head. <laughs> Hello? But Jesus has to work on him. Judas has to be there. Jesus has to work on him. You know one of the things that also baffles me with Jesus Christ? Knowing, the Bible says knowing that Judas was a thief, he made him the treasurer. How can the Savior make a thief? A treasurer. He did. He never asked him, how do you spend the money? So when they asked that tax man came, okay, how much do we have in the post? He said, nothing. <laughs> he blew everything, man. He just said, nothing. How will you get something in the hand of a thief? He was just enjoying himself to the extent that he believed that if he sold Jesus Christ for money, Jesus would perform a miracle and escape. He was so a thief to the place where he had conviction that by the trading of stealing, he would make money of Jesus. So when somebody took the money of your church and ran away, why are you angry? <laughs> why did you also leave it to his hand and he ran away with it? So if you look at it, therefore, these men will come. These men are grumblers and forefinders. They will find fault all the time. They follow their own evil desire. They boast about themselves and flatter others of, uh, for their own, to their own advantage. In church, they will use the opportunity you give them, position you give them, to win people to themselves. When you are not, we appoint people to be your leaders, they are supposed to represent you. If they do anything to members, they ought to quote that, ah, pastor sent us. Even if they did it in their own volition. But these people will go about saying that, ah, well, I have just decided to come and visit you. Where well, pastor send them? Even if pastor gave them money to give the people, they say, well, I decided to just bless you with this. It's from the church. Because they want to gain the heart of people. That is the scripture. The Bible says so. And then they will gain advantage. The last verse of that is verse 18. It says, they said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers. If you read from verse 17, it says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, foretold. They said to you, verse 18, In the last times, this, there will be scoffers or mockers who will follow their own ungodly desire, ungodly lusts. The King James says, These are the men who divide you, verse 19, who follow mere natural instinct and do not have the spirit. Can you imagine a person in the church giving prophecy to members of the church? I mean, stupid. Two directors cannot be in the, comp- uh, in the same boat, the captains. I told, one of them came to join my choir one time. And the boy was just, I just saw choir doing things. Instructions, I haven't instructed them. What's happening here? Uh, because uh, this prophet, this brother, he is a prophet. He said that, uh, you know, God spoke in the acquired practice. I said to, the, to them, I said to go and practice in choir, not to go and prophesy. I said, if I hear anybody prophesy in this choir, I will destroy him. You shut your mouth. When you come for choir practice, you don't come here to prophesy. You come here to sing. But you know, because people are easily, they are susceptible. They believed him that it is God. Whereas he's a liar and an impostor. The boy is going over London now saying that he's a prophet. 
really one of the bishops in London, one of the very pronounced and, and well-established bishops in London, called me. He said, this boy came to my church and said that he's from CFT. I said, what is his name? I said, no, tell him he's not from CFT. He's an imposter. He's a liar. Because he will come to your church and begin to prophesy nonsense, lying to people that he's prophesying. I said, so send him out of your church. <laughs> Bishop said, thank you, Apostle. God bless you, sir. He just went to him and said, Oga, ouch. Ouch. Do we get it now? So, these people are in the church. These men will divide the people. They speak by instinct and do not have the spirit. But thank God. But you, dear friends, build up yourself in your most holy faith. And pray in the Holy Spirit. You see why he said we should pray in the Holy Spirit? Because of all these liars, all this uh, clay and all this wood in the church, all these dividers who would scheme in the church. He said you pray in the Holy Spirit. So when you talk about praying in the Holy Spirit, that is why they say you should do so. Why? Because there are spirit behind those actions. There are spirit behind those actions. We're going to stop here today. But this is um, 4.30. Our, calendar, our timetable says we, we should finish at uh, 4.30. And we have okay, 4 to 4.30 workshop. All right. So... At 4.30. Now, can I say this to us? We have learned a lot of things today. So many things today. The way I see God moving today is that God wants to deal with calling. And let me say this to you. If we get all this God says today right, you and I know that even in your timetable, I intend to treat crisis, how to handle crisis and dispute. I will still do it. But you and I know that we have or we have weapons here to deal with those crises. <clears throat> none, of, <clears throat> none of those things that I mentioned to you have not passed through. I passed through it. You don't come to the place I am in God without very much proven. You know, this, the strangest thing with God is this, Pastor. Many times I want to speak, and he said to me, shut up. I said, but God is painful. He said, did I not see it? One day the Lord showed me and told me that, what are you talking about? Look at the number of people that, you, that disappointed you. He said, billions are disappointed me on earth. And I see them together. He said to me, everyone committing sin, who are my ministers, who sit, stand on my altar on Sunday, and Saturday night they go to the place of sin. He said, I'm looking at them nakedly. When God told me what he saw, I pitied God. Then I said to myself, no, but nothing has been done to me. I've not been stripped naked physically and beaten up by some members of my church. What about if they have done that? Some have done that. If they have done that, what would I have said? I have had somebody stood in my meeting, Sunday service, and said, when I preach, he's a liar. Yes, in London here. So I, I was preaching, said, he's a liar. Don't follow him. And this person who did that, I raised him up. He came to me as a young boy and said, you hear God? How do you do it? I said, come into my house. He lived in my house. When I prayed, he prayed. When I fasted, he fasted. He was so loyal. He was jobless. I fed him. 
Because of that, I created job for him in church. Employed him. Grew him. And then, because of him, I set up a church branch. Took members to go and set it up. I said, you go and pastor them. Okay? Having done that, I went there. I did crusade. I spoke to the people till they honored him and respected him. Listen to me. And then, he began to rebel. And when he began to rebel, I would not address it. Pastor Sidney was with me all through, you know. I would not address it. So one day, the Lord told me he will close down that church. The Lord told me, don't ever you close a church down. It is my church. I close it down. So, but during that period too, another one too, that I raised like that, and set up a church for where Pastor Matthew started his church. When he moved from that place, we took that place over. And I put this man there. Sent about 250 members to that place. To start a church with 250 members in London, as far as 1994, three of them, is a lot. We were about now around something then. Set up that church. Having gone there, we employed him in the office. He doesn't have a career. We raised him and so on. And suddenly, he went into rebellion. And one day, Pastor Sidney was so angry. He said, Apostle, deal with this thing. Start, remove this. I said, hold it. The Lord told me to shut up. I said, do you want to know what will happen? He said, what will happen? I said, on the, you know, the very dates. God gave me a date in one month. Like saying that on the 3rd of March this year, the church will close down. He said, why? I said, the Lord told me. So, you know what happened? A week before the third, the man who is the sexton, the, what do you call sexton now? Kateka. Thank you, dear pastor. Came and said that, I'm fed up of you this church. Today is your last Sunday. You will not be here next week. Ah, they said, what have we done? He said, did you hear what I said? He said, white man is not supposed to behave like that. He knows law. So they came to me. They came to me and said, <laughs> he came and said that they, this is what they saw. I called Pastor Sidney. I said, Pastor Sidney. I said, what did you just say, Pastor? He said, next Sunday, we beg the man that, okay, if we are going to leave, at least we pay, we pay our dues. He said, I don't care if you pay a million. They said, okay, we have our, our equipment. I won't beg them. Beg. He said, okay, I will allow you next Sunday. Pack all your load. And <laughs> get up. So when he was talking, I said, tell Pastor Sidney. When he told Pastor Sidney, he was shaking his head. As months after, he was shaking his head. I said, okay, let me go there and, and victimize the man. So I'm coming with you next Sunday. So they told him our bishop is coming. He said, I don't care if anybody comes. <laughs> I, went there. I went there with my call and stuff. I said, uh, sir, uh, please sit down. He said, yes, I would like to sit down. He was it and stuff like that. I, I, he said, I said, I was told that you are telling us to leave. I said, but we have an agreement of a month notice. He said, I don't care. <laughs> I said to the man that, do you know I can take you by law? He said, go to court. He said, if you come here next Sunday, I'm going to shut this place down. All right? <laughs> he said, if you don't pack your load today, anything you don't pack, you can get it again. I said to him that, you know, that time I was the chairman of all the African Caribbean churches in England. I said, do you know that I'm a chairman of Asia? He said, what did you just say? <laughs> 
As the chairman of Asia, right now I can pick phone and phone concerning you. He said, did you hear what I said? I don't care. I asked him, but why are you doing this? He said, I don't care. Why are you doing it? He don't care. Why will he not care? God said, <laughs> God said on that date, that church will be closed. But if you, if you ask from Pastor Sidney, he will, he will, I mean, he will express, he was terribly shocked. I, I, what is this? So at the end of it, I said, okay, uh, Mr. Such and Such, I shook his hand and I embraced him. I said, don't be angry with us, you know. That's all right. You know, if we thank you for all these years you have allowed us here. And I went to the church and I said to the church, today is my last service with you. Because that church also has been polluted by him. I said to them, those of you, all of you came from the base. Those of you who still belong to me, meet me next Sunday in New Cross. I said the rest of you, I can recommend the church you should go. My friend, Pastor Matthew, he's just started his church and he used this place before us. All of you go to him. And they all went to KICC. About 250 of them. Okay? Because in another church, they can't create the problem. The problem is me. Okay? And my wife. All right? Even the one we raised among them, who is my wife's friend, we fed her. In her home, slept in her home. She was a ringleader. They all left. So we, we came back home. And the church is closed. The one who stood against me too was he was pointing. So that pastor came to base, was pointing and, and accusing me. And I kept on preaching the word. And when other ushers were angry, they picked him and threw him out of the church because they were all ushers. Okay? That happened. And that day, but six of them left in one day. All ministers are then left. So I have no pastor anymore. Have I done them bad? No. I've done them good all my life. My wife helped them, married for them, picked the cake for them. We fed them, we gave them our money. So should I hate them? One day I was preaching and then we have bought new cross. And as I was preaching, I saw that my son at the door. The church was filled to the house. I said, who is that? He said, it's my son. come, 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 come to the whole church. Many people in church don't know him at all. Because he's left now a few years and God has given us the property. We have built up. The church is flooded. I said, come, 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 come. Go and bring him for me. They brought him. Sit down here. I said to the church, this is my son. He has come back. And I hugged him. How do you think he will feel? He has to repent. And I said to him, receive him like me. You know what we left my mom? I said, ah. <laughs> Even to call him to your pulpit. Huh? Even if you hugged him, you will have let him go and sit down. You are not telling church to receive him like you. People will believe in him. I said, I want them to believe in him. He's a pastor. The guilt and calling is without repentance. And I said, son, since you left me, God has blessed me. You are afraid to come home anytime. 
The others who left and then there was dichotomy between them and Pastor Sidney and all of them. They were angry with these people and everybody left. They left, so remaining them. So, after angry, anger, and I was like, calm down. These people are part of us. When Satan used Judas, he didn't know he was the hand of the devil. I said, no. Hey, they are bad people. Leave them. They are my children. If they are bad, they are my bad children. I will bring them back. Okay? So, we continued our work. And then, that was before God gave us the, the new cross. When God gave us the new cross, we, we did what we could. It was a ranch. I hope they will show the video during this trip. It was dirty and right. So, I now said one day, I sat down. When I was talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, all these people that I've raised, that I've put my hope of future in them, have left me. I said, and I see their life, they are suffering. I said, if they are with me, they will not suffer. I said, you have blessed me, you have comforted me. I said, I want an end to the suffering. The things they built didn't grow. Because that is eternal principle that God himself has no power to change. Because he bound himself by his word. But God can override judgment by mercy to cut short the days of punishment. But as to remove the punishment, he will not. Because he will be an unjust God. I said, I'm going to call them for a dinner. When God didn't answer me. I said, when I bless them, then I will see. God have to bless them because I am the one they offended. So I told the people at home, they said, ah, no, 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 no. Ah, that was, we, we have just finished all this wound. We have just been healed. Don't bring it again. <laughs> I haven't spoken to my wife for a while and what I hear is, no, 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 don't die. It, huh? If your yam is, uh, <laughs> you cover it to it. I said, I don't have yam. <laughs> Normally, I don't eat yam. So, whatever the case may be. <laughs> One day, after pacifying the rest of my leaders and pacifying my wife and stuff, I can't go anywhere. I decided to go to their houses. Open the door. Bah! They looked at the people. Inside the room, they are running. I said, it's me. Open the door for me. They opened the door. I came and I said, what do you have at home? I went to their fridge, opened it, and I took something. And they were running all over. I said, let's eat together. Go and do me coffee. They went and prepared what I ate. Took what they have in the fridge. I sat down. Let us eat. That's what we used to do. So I ate, drank. They went, you know, boil water. I said, I'm not in the haste. I went one person at a time. They did ground rice, brought their stew, whatever you have in your soup. I must eat it. They brought it and I ate. I calmed them down and I told them that, you know what? I want you to come for my dinner in the new place. And I fixed a day. Can they say no? They accepted. And I said to them, call me. This is my phone again. I took their phone. And I moved, prayed for them, and blessed the works of their hand. Blessed them from my heart. Moved to the first, second person. 
I knocked all their doors and personally invited them. On the day they all came, those who were at home and them were weeping. I was the only one who didn't have tears to shed. I said to the ones at home, hug them. Forgive them what they have done. I told my wife, these are your children. Hug all of them. They too come. Hug your mother. They hugged themselves. They were crying over their shoulder. I said, it is your own time to cry. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know when you cry, you cry pain out. And then your heart is free. I don't want anyone to remain. So we ate and we celebrated. And when I finished, I now began to bless them. I blessed them from my office. And I revoke any affliction, any punishment. The spirit that is assigned, I bind him and send it back to hell. Then God has to answer me because that is my choice. Would I think that there is a danger? Thank you. Would I think that there is a danger in day coming? How can a child come, a child coming back to his father's house be dangerous? When I finished that, they came and I told them, this house is yours, but what you have set up, retain the name. Don't change it to Christ with Tabernacle, unless God tells you to do that. But anytime this house is your house, you are pastors of this church, you can come in and come out of this church. Okay? They went, and that was it. From that time now, everybody started relating until today. But few months after, Telephone rang. Brother Grant, this is what I can say it's in the public here because he also has said it. Brother Grant, yes, hello, who is this? This is Matthew Ashimolo. Ah, Pastor Matthew, how are you? Apostle, how is everything? Like we dog talk as old friend talk. He said, I want to come and see you. I said, okay. We gave a date. He came. He said, oh, the new building. So I said, okay. He came and I took him around the whole building. He said, well, we thank God because together... From beginning, God gave me a building. I told him, I I'm intend to buy this land. He came. We went to the land. He prayed over the land before he got his own first building. When it happened, he called me, went there, blessed the place, and he gave me so many things. Because we are friends, early. We are the only two. And then he said, Apostle, sit down. I want to tell you something. I had you called a lunch for these people. I said, which people? And he told me. I said, yes. He said, we had what they did to you. And what they are saying all over town about you came to my hearing. Did you not hear it? I said, I heard it. He said, and you called them. And you went to their houses, I was told, to go and eat in their house. (laughs) I said, yes. And he said that. And you gave them a dinner. I said, yes. Pastor Matthew just knelt down. I said, I need that grace. Lay hands on me. I said, brother, you have it. Because like a sheep, he was led to be slaughtered. Before his shearers, he opened not his mouth. Let's stand upon our feet. We're going to pray that God will enable us by his spirit to shepherd God's people as he will have shepherded his flock. Shall I begin to print the name of Jesus? If there be anything in us, anything with us that can hinder our shepherding, that God will take it away. 
We have to be the working Jesus on the streets of nations in our time. Our God, our Redeemer, we pray for mercy. We pray for grace. We pray for strength. Father, help us. Help us. Jehovah, help us. Change us totally into the chief shepherd. Change our hearts to your heart. Our behavior to your behavior. Give us a fresh understanding. You are the owner of your church. The God and the Father of your household. We are apprentices under you. Your under shepherd. Help us to shepherd the flock like you will shepherd the flock. Grant us patience. Grant us endurance. Father, we pray. Help us to be humble. Help us to be an example. We are all going to the same heaven. Help us not to be divided against ourselves. The kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. Let us pray for our members. That God will give them the, the heart of loyalty. God will protect those that are left with us. That they will be loyal to the end. That the enemy will not be able to rob their mind. Our God, our Redeemer. Protect them. Let us tell God to change our ignoble to nobles. Our wood and our clay to change them to silver and gold. That God will give our members a hearing heart. A, a hearing spirit. Father, we pray. Those of you who are not yet ministers, pray to God. God, make me like Jesus Christ. All what apostles have read in the Bible, help me to become like that. Because you are the ministers of tomorrow, a day will come that God will send you. Tell God, help me to be proven. Let me be a sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Deliver me, O oh God, from my flesh. Deliver me from my knowledge. Father, we pray thee. We exalt and magnify your holy name. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we have prayed. Our God and King, you are too vast that we cannot comprehend. For the wind bloweth wherever it wills. Nobody knows where it's coming from or where it's going. And you said such are those led by the Spirit. Lord, you have spoken to us extensively. Help us. Help us, Father. To be able to apply on what we have had. Give us a listening ear. Amen. A hearing spirit. Amen. We don't want to make the mistakes some have made. Strip us completely of our carnality. Amen. Help us to put on your divinity. Amen. Father, you sent the Son. The Son sent us. And Jesus said the secret of his success in the book of John 5.19. It says, I do what I see my father do. And it went further in John 10 to say that in that same 5, it says, The father loved the son and he reveals to him all things. In verse 20. Then it went further to say in John 10, 
I think 17, it says that the father, the reason why the father loved the son is because the son gave his life. We know anybody who gives his life, you love them. Help us to give our life. Amen. For the flock, help us to pay the price. Amen. Father, there is no difference between the minister and the, and the flock. Apart from the honor and dignity you place upon the minister. Father, because we have received dignity from you, and we have received honor from you, help us, O oh God, to humble ourselves. Amen. So that our honor will not turn us into idols. Amen. Give us fatherly authority over those who follow us. Amen. So that when we speak, they will fear you in us. Amen. And they will obey. Amen. Father, there shall be no breaking of ranks Amen. in our quarters any longer. Amen. Many of us have passed through but in this season, this is 2015, which you showed me. My God and King, if I have any great request in my heart for anyone, it will be that what you revealed to me about 2015, you fulfilled in all these lives. Amen. There are many things to understand which we do not yet. By divine encounter, take us deeper into you. Before these days are over, Father, may every one of us have encountered you in a fresh dimension. Our God and our King of glory, we thank you for the grace and privilege of knowing you and serving under you. In Jesus' holy name we are praying. Can I just say that um, we are going for our dinner now. What I want us to do, all our pastor's house we will, once we close now, we will want to set this place. I want to join them with all the ushers, all the men in the house. Not. Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open for all. Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, warmly invites you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen, people healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and by Him, anyone who believes in Him, carry the very authority of God which, with which He created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you. Stop going around to people. Kneel down where you are. Talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events. Overcomers Night Vigil. Hear the voice of God. Receive life-changing teaching. Be lifted through dynamic worship. Become an overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7pm. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly Victory Nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral Woolwich. 
every Sunday at 10am, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.